0: Love Talk Radio. to
3: Black Free Thinkers. Will we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night? Free spot, we don't walk by space in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church. So don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text. Show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310 982 to get through. A venue for community, and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with him, then pick up the phone. 310982 2273 to get through. The next tree branch is Rainer, and it's special. Listen to Reason, Science, and Skepticism. It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope. She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat. Humans are hilarious, and every other Friday, I'd like to hear commentary on culture people. So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline to discuss why we're capable of ultra evil. It's normal for my brain to have a two way street, but if it's collision, well, then you got to just mention. It. And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead. Ignoring your position, pack of packing and My father Teresa preaches it's hard to stop. So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the shop. I have a stinted family and all these places now. As the free thought tree pollinates the random this is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310 to get through a venue for community, and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone, 310-982-4273 to get blue, where we walk by sight, with a bright flashlight to illuminate night, uh, we don't walk by faith in a lost my state, cause it's not quite safe.
4: Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? Doing good, how's man, here. Ah, uh, man, good to hear from you, Bad Brother Alfred. How's everything going, brother?
5: Uh, I was doing a lot better than I, I was before and trying to get a lot of stuff in life sorted out. But, you know, it, it it's sad to say, but it makes you feel better that to hear that other folks are doing much, much worse, you know, as bad as that is. But if you, once you put it to perspective, the things going on in your life is like, man, <laughs> I could be in some other folks' shoes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I, first of all, we just want to say good night, good evening to everybody out there. You know, welcome to the show. Uh, if you're out there you want to give us a call, we're just going to drop the number. It's 310 982 Give us a call. We're going to be talking about a lot of issues tonight. Um, and, and, you know, I, I I wanted to just let you know, I, I don't know, man, Alfred, you got to agree with me. It's You know, the topic of tonight's show is it's a mad, mad, mad world, and I don't know, man. It's It's been crazy. I, I, I One of my favorite television shows is Futurama, and one of my favorite episodes is where, you know, I'm not sure. I can't recall the plot exactly, but, you know, Professor Farnsworth uh, hears this, you know, he sees something, and then somebody says something to him that is so ridiculous that he says to himself, I don't want to live on this planet anymore, and he hops on a rocket ship and just leaves. You know, he just flies away from the planet. And um, I don't know, if you're a rational, reasonable person or a, a critical thinker or of in, of any sort, this week, I think, has really challenged your desire to want to remain on this planet. I don't know. How do you feel about that, uh, Alfred?
5: Well, I mean, every time I turn on Facebook and I get some of these updates, you know, especially with creationists uh, and, and their attempts to hinder any type of scientific progression. It, it makes me feel that way, but in the, it's just in that one respect.
4: Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, and I know because I, I hope we can hit on all of these things. I just went, you know, before we started the show, I know we had already, um, prior to the show starting, we went and got some things that we were going to talk about. And that was earlier. In the week. This was probably like Wednesday or Thursday, we had a conversation or, you know, by email and everything. And by today, you know, today's Friday, there were like four or five just different stories popping up that I was just sitting there like, this has got to be the most ridiculous thing I've heard all day. And, you know, that was before Friday evening. And I just printed up a couple of them, and I hope we get a chance to you know, just to talk about them. Um, first off, though, you know, um, especially, you know, with you being a member of the military, uh, of course we've heard about all of the, you know, the tragic shootings in, you know, in the in Washington Navy Yards earlier this week. Um, you know, of course, you know, our thoughts will go out to all of those families. You know, if you're listening out there, you've got family in that area and you know of those people, of course, my thoughts go out to all those folks who lost their lives or, or who even had to be part of that, you know, traumatic event. Um, I can't put words to things like that, you know. Um, I've witnessed some things in my lifetime, but thankfully I've been far away enough where I, I, I haven't had to worry about, you know, was my family member in there or, or something like that. So to, to those folks who are still having to cope with that, you know, again, you're in our thoughts Trying to send positive vibes and positive thoughts out to you, uh, but what do you think about the coverage of it? Because <laughs> to me, it's the first ridiculous thing that I I really clicked on this week, brother.
5: Well, it, the first thing before I even saw any of the facts surrounding yeah. it, I already knew. First thing they're going to point to is, oh man, he's military. Oh man, he probably has PTSD. Oh man, look, he sought mental health uh, help for his mental health issues. Man, it, uh, look at these crazy uh, service members, and look at what they're doing to our society. Because it, it's a it's a talking point you hear over and over and over again, and right. it's crazy because in one breath people want to praise you for your service, but then the second you have an issue and it's not properly addressed and something happens, well then it just becomes a a, a nice uh, pincushion for people's uh, uh really for their uh I, I had to phrase in my mind I lost it. From their uh, confirmation bias, because yeah. a lot of them don't actually understand how PTSD works, and a lot of them mm-hmm. don't understand that people that hear voices, or paranoid schizophrenic, or uh, any of that, really are not violent. It, it's really rare that something like this happens, but from media, uh, movies, and what have you, people have this impression that this is just you know commonplace with folks that are uh, that seek mental health.
4: Right. Um and, and you wanna know it's it that that's the reaction to mental illness as a whole, um, which is why I'm pretty certain people don't uh people don't have to reaction towards it that they should. Um, you know what makes me laugh and you know uh and I thought about it early on is when they were talking to uh Alexis' parents, you know, and he said, Well, he had PTSD because in two thousand he was at ground zero, and he was out there helping to clear out, you know, the rubble, searching for survivors or searching for, you know, trying to pull bodies from the rubble, and he experienced a, a great deal of PTSD. And it just really, especially with, you know, watching the Fox News, with pundits that are right there in the heart of New York City, you know, pooh pooing that, like, oh, it was so long ago. And I remember... 9/11. I was here in Miami uh, when 9-11 happened, but I went up to New York City two weeks afterwards. And I'm not talking about members of law enforcement. I'm not talking about members of, 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 you know, fire and rescue or anything like that or the military who at that time was had a great presence in the city. I'm talking about regular old New Yorkers, folks who weren't there. You were, you know, who hadn't been close to ground zero. They were just New Yorkers as a whole. Dude, that entire city, I could say, if you gave, if you gave every person in that city a psychological exam, I would have wagered that the entire city of New York was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder because it, I, that was my hometown. I was born there, and I saw people, their reactions to little things. I mean, I saw uh, an entire street of people. I was coming out of... um Grand Central Station, and I saw an entire set of New Yorkers. I'm talking natives. When you're a native, you know natives. And I saw a whole bunch of people cower and look up to the sky because a plane was flying too low or it was flying low, you know. And that's the reaction of somebody who's experienced a traumatic event. So for first off, for them to poo-poo that, for them to just shrug that off like that couldn't have led to what he did 10, 12 years later, You know, that shows me that this country doesn't really, uh, or at least this society, doesn't really have a good understanding of, you know, mental illness in general or mental illness as it affects our our servicemen and women in specific. You know, um, you're right. There's a lot of platitudes and rhetoric as it comes to support the troops. And then the thing is, well, how do you support the troops? Are you doing something to support these troops, or especially the ones who come back from traumatic events and I don't think they are honestly you know it was just a time of, it, it, no one really had a beat on how to help
5: them. well it's not even just service members it's the firefighters the civil uh, civil service folks that were there that had to pull out bodies of men, women, and some children you know out mm-hmm. of. And I couldn't imagine, you know, pulling someone's child out of out of rubble because some religious fanatic felt that, you know, his magical man in the sky deemed that necessary. You know, just yeah. that psychological effect on somebody has to be so profound that they have to question everything that they knew in life. You know, that's yeah. something that I would consider uh, worthy of of being of causing some type of Mental defect, if I could even call it that, but it, it just goes to show that well, this talking point is good, so I'll just use it and then while others linger and suffer and having to jump every time they hear a loud bang, they don't have to go through that, so they can talk about it and they can remove themselves from the situation because they are well as of now immune to it, but yeah. since something happens like a, a car crash being violently sexually assaulted that can cause PTSD and people tend to forget that you can have an event in your life that you cower from all the time that reminds you of that you yeah. have an aversion towards it you know it's people really forget that and it's it's sad but it's the type of divisive language that really you know led to it that we enjoy so much the, the us and them conversation so now this is just another um you know, another notch in the belt that somebody can use to beat beat their opposition senseless.
4: Yeah, and you know, all, and and what's funny to me, and I, I laugh about it because now this has become so commonplace. This might be what the tenth time we're having a conversation about a, a mass shooting, but it's the usual uh, conversation where you know, people shift the blame or shift the issue from what we should be talking about. Um, you know, in this case again it comes up to, hey man, background checks or hey, somebody should have known that this young man was, you know, so broken and even though he was seeking help, you know, why didn't someone in some form of authority step in before? And it always goes back to the same thing. And I, I enjoy watching I'm even you know, in a macabre, in a, in a macabre way, like watching these politicians that want absolutely no regulation on any firearm in any way whatsoever to say, well, it's instead of trying to take away people's guns, let's do something about mental health, and then go straight to Congress and for like the 29th time try to try to uh, uh, symbolically uh, uh, vote down Obamacare, mental health is a part of health care. If you're if you it doesn't matter what shape your body is in, if your mind isn't okay, you're not okay. You know? So if you're going to say, well, yeah, it's mental health and we have to deal with that. All right, fine. I'll grant you that. I won't even argue that. Let's just say that will stop the next mass shooting. I'll grant you that. Why are you going into Congress and if not trying to vote down something like the Affordable um, Health Care Act, uh, why would you then start trying to deny or cut back benefits? Like today, I mean, this week, the House cut food stamps and cut down government assistance benefits by $40 billion. You know what's a part of that? It's not just food stamps. It's the health care that people from low-income families or or the underemployed uh, use for their mental health are used for their health. So you can't say, okay, yeah, let's not take away the guns. Let's deal with mental health and then go cut programs and cut funding for programs that will do exactly that. You know what I'm saying? That's the sad part, and that's what makes this more tragic because it's it's, it's not the tragedy. It's tragic enough that it happened, but it's, it, it's compounded by the fact that it was more than likely avoidable by little things, not large things. It didn't have to be grand and sweeping, little something. He goes in the store and gets a gun and there's something by his name that says, hey, don't sell this guy a gun. Not that he's a felon. That's not, that shouldn't be the only reason that somebody doesn't get a gun. But something like, yeah, if he's been in three different minor shootings in the last in less than 10 years. That should be enough to say, hey, this guy shouldn't be walking around with a firearm, you know? And again, that's the tragedy that compounds the tragedy, you know, that it could have been avoided. he could, there possibly could have been more help than he received. But it's like you said, there's a lot of rhetoric and platitudes in regards to the state of mind of, of, of of servicemen and women. And it's, that's the sad part. It's
5: really sad that it's, the conversation is people are more fearful that it's going to revive uh, gun restriction talk and not mental health talk. So there, a lesson could be learned every time there is something, there's a takeaway message every time and it continually, continuously gets missed. And it comes down to, well, this rhetoric won't help my, uh, my constituency. You know, I have to think about them. Well, your constituency also may have a lot of mental health issues. They may have relatives that suffer from uh, the same delusions or the same uh, you know, circumstance. So, how about we actually get them some help so it does not preclude you from getting a weapon? Let's talk more about actually uh, getting more public education, maybe some PSAs about uh, mental health disorders and. The facts surrounding it and the social, sociological effect, economic effect that it plays on an individual, on a family, on a society, and not, well, this guy was crazy and, oh, look, army. Oh, look, you know, he owned firearms. Oh, man, these are so, so good points that I could use. And I know my opposition is going to switch it up. So let me go ahead and start my, my, uh, game of propaganda, uh, because yeah. I want to push this rhetoric of, of uh anti-guns or you know fear the second amendment or you know what have you so and, and that's the kind of i know some people are watching this and a lot of them will start trying to see what side of the coin you know you and i are on as far as for or against it and i want to put this out there i'm i would love to own a weapon i don't right now because I have other things to do other than go to a range. I do it professionally, but I don't have my free time, you know, in order to uh, allocate that. But I respect people who own weapons. But only certain folks should be able to have weapons. Now, a person's help that has PTSD should not be
4: precluded from
5: uh, owning a firearm. Someone who has a history of getting in conflict with the police uh, uh, violent uh, interactions that involve another person, you know, something that will tell you, hey, this person it cannot handle a firearm response. Yeah. But it seems like that's too much of a stretch for people to consider nowadays.
0: Yeah, it, it, because
4: it's like this. And let me clarify, um, you know, for anyone who might be listening um, here's my stance on guns. It's I accept them pragmatically as a necessary evil. They are here. The, the world has them, and there are people who are far too willing to use them for for some really bad stuff, as we've seen. Um, and yes, I don't. I understand completely someone feeling the need to protect themselves. I understand that. I'm not going to, and, and, and I don't think. It's wrong for anyone to own a firearm. I I have owned one in the past. Um, it's just that for me, I do believe at the same time. And, and the whole discussion and what people tend to miss, and I'm talking about folks on both sides of the issue, is reason. It's reason. Let's 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 go with reason. I wouldn't I wouldn't sit down and say, hey, let's get rid of all the guns. Um uh, okay. In a perfect world, absolutely. Let's do that. But in the world that we have, they may be necessary. But at the same time, let's have some kind of sensible regulation for them. Like you said, look, if you've got – in my mind, and we're talking about you know Alexis and, and the Navy are shooting, but in my mind, at the same time, George Zimmerman should have never owned a gun. After the first time he laid hands on his, on his first fiance, oh, really? You like slapping women around? Hey, that might turn into a murder of some sort. You can't own a gun. Sorry, guy. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. It's something that I think the small, small, sensible things can preclude these large, you know, massive events. I mean, I, and again, I'm I'm like this. If you're going to own a gun, you should be able to have to prove that you need to keep this gun. You know, it's just like owning a car. You know, you got to be able to show that you can drive in traffic before they give you a car. You know it's say to me, it's the same thing. you've got to be able to show that under a stressful situation of some sort, you know how to use this weapon, you know before you blow your kid's brains out or somebody shoots somebody wrong accidentally, you can barely stop the trained you know there are people in the military that train for years, months, There are police officers that train for years, months, private security, they train for weeks and months to become proficient and to be aware of scenarios. And even those highly trained, you know, elite individuals get into scenarios where, you know, a a bad call turns into, you know, costing somebody a life or or costing them an injury. You know what I'm saying? You just went down to Walmart one day and picked up a a rifle, and then you get to start shooting this stuff? I don't – that doesn't sit well with me. So I'm not – you know, I, I I understand somebody wanting to own a gun, but I'm also at the mindset like, look, there's got to be rules to this game. I mean, honestly speaking, I'm like this. If you're one of those people who want to buy a gun and you need a gun and you want to take down the bad guys, hey, man, suit up and take a post, as far as I'm concerned. If it's that serious to you, then don't just have it and try to be Mr. Vig- Mr. or Mrs. Vigilante. You need to suit up and do a couple of hours on the post somewhere if you want to get your gun off that bad. Um, And that's 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 me. So, you know, it's not to me, it's not it's more complex than pro-gun, anti-gun. You know what I'm saying?
5: Exactly. These uh, these arguments to try and reduce it either for or against really simplifies a complex issue. Yes, it's a right. Yes, it's a Second Amendment right. But it's also a privilege in a free society to own something that it's that deadly it's it's not a hammer you know you don't use it for constructive purpose or you can use it (laughs) to build a house it is built for one purpose and that is destruction uh whether it is going to be a destruction you know for protection or not it's still an object for destruction and having a little bit more discernment as to who obtains it and who can continue using it is uh needed and in my humble opinion
4: yeah. I I mean, if if just be able to show that you you, you 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 understand this. You know, and I think that's what always comes up. Well, you can and you made an excellent point about constructive and destructive things. Other than every other I mean, every other thing that can be used as a weapon, you know, that isn't a gun has a secondary purpose. Yes, you can use a car to kill a person. But you can also use a car to convey a person to a hospital. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yes, you can stab somebody with a knife, but you can also cut bread with a knife. You know, yes, you can bat somebody's skull with a bat, but you can also play baseball with a bat. Guns have that, like you said, that singular purpose, which is why people have this aversion to it. it you know, like, hey, man, we really got to put some rules on this. That's, that's the aversion there because. What's I mean that's all guns do. It's either gonna kill you or come pretty damn close to killing you. That's the job. And that's what they. That's the sole purpose of a firearm. You know. You know. Re- uh, remove the problem completely or cripple it. And you know, nine times it's really matter of fact. The percentage of crippling it is more is is a lot smaller than killing it. So yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, it's again, it's way more complex than are you for it or are you against it. You know, under normal circumstances, I would much rather talk my way out of a situation, but, you know, if things get kind of hairy and I have to, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a gun with my person. That's just the way I am. But, again, it's way more than, oh, no guns ever, or, yeah, we need every gun with all the bullets that we could possibly gather.
5: I agree. Um, what other uh, subject you want to hit
3: on? Well,
4: I wanted to touch on this. You know, we're on the issue of guns, and we're on the issue of gun violence and mass shootings. I had to bring this up. You know, I know Kim's on the phone uh, with us. She's, you know, she's screening our calls, but I came across this story I wanted to put out there. I saw it on Facebook. I did a little extra research on it. And, uh, you know, Chicago, you're number one. We are number one, Chicago. It is now surpassed New York and Washington, D.C. as the murder capital of the United States of America. You know, just pull out the balloons and cassettes. Um, it is now on top. And it says it's registered more homicides than any city in the nation in 2012, surpassing even New York, despite the fact that the second city only has one-third as many residents as the Big Apple. Uh, I'm just reading from the actual statistics. In new crime statistics released Monday, the Federal Bureau of Investigation reported 500 murders in Chicago in 2012, up sharply from the 431 recorded in 2011. Um, it's crazy, and um, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
4: I, I, I. What what drives me nuts about this? You know, there's more to the story. Um, there's more uh, things, uh, more statistics to it, but. What really drives me crazy, and I think about it and I brought it up, was that Syria, the nation of Syria is 6,000 miles away, you know, and our government was ready to go guns hot off of a video. Like, hey, man, this guy's got to go there. Um, my question is, is like, what was the country, what was our government planning to do about Chicago which is 750 miles away from Washington, D.C., in this country. You know, this is bad. They don't plan I mean. to
1: do anything. Yeah, and no, I'm just saying, <laughs> they don't plan to do anything. It's it's horrible because um, I was sharing one day on the show how basically within the past year, I've witnessed two people getting shot. And these were two young men. They both were under 20 years of age. And the first time I saw it it scared me. The second time I saw it I got pissed off. And you know, today they did a news conference because um yesterday twelve twelve or thirteen people were shot. Somebody had basketball some type of semi automatic right? or yeah, at the basketball court, yes. And a little three year old boy basically damn near got his face shot off. And so, you know, a couple of ministers up here held a press conference today. And they're holding some rallies, and they're saying, you know, when they had the Newtown and what happened up there in D.C. at the Naval, you know, the Naval Station. And they held press conferences for that, but no one is holding a press conference for the massacres that are happening on the streets of Chicago. And what I found interesting was the police captain um, gave a few words, and he was talking about how guns were getting into the wrong hands. And that's why we're having so much violence. Now, those are his words, not mine. And I said, okay, well, then, okay, I can understand how some guns get into the wrong hands. Let's talk about the whole story. Where are the jobs? Where are the economic and educational, you know, advantages and opportunities for these people? So it's more to it than just guns getting in the wrong hands. A lot of these people feel as though they have nothing to lose. Um, that, you know, they have no future, they have no hope, nothing. And, you know, in the majority of these crimes are happening in economically and educationally disadvantaged areas, people that are on the lower rungs of the socioeconomic ladder. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy up here. It really is.
4: You know, and it speaks to, uh, you, you know, you brought up economically disadvantaged. Uh, you know, at the same time where all of these, Shootings, these mass shootings, and and it, it it really troubles me that these aren't counted as part of the mass shootings that we see, like Sandy Hook or the Washington Navy Yards. It's like you know it it's this accepted thing that you know those people quote unquote are supposed to be doing that to each other in those areas again quote unquote, and that's mm-hmm. probably why there 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 isn't more decisive action taken. Because it's this in our, in the in the in the American psyche it's accepted that these things are supposed to happen in places like those with people of that skin tone. And that's probably yeah, it's like why they're
1: encouraging they, you know, pathological behavior. It's like they're encouraging yeah. the pathological behavior. However, you know, like we did the show on white on white crime, it is not just mm-hmm. relegated to black communities. The same type yeah. of crimes in, in vast more numbers are happening in the white community is just not being reported so there's again there's no such thing as black on black crime there's no such thing as white on white crime crime is just crime there is this thing called proximity hypothesis and we stress Mm -hmm. it
0: yeah
4: um with this in in this case um what's most important, and and, and, I, and I get upset because no one really wants to touch the topic. It's one of those things, again, it's taboo, and no one really wants to talk about it, or at least none of our politicians do. It's, first of all, the Democratic mayor, the democratically elected mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, you know, while these shootings are taking place in Chicago, he's closing down schools in in economically and disenfranchised neighborhoods all over Chicago. He's trying to bust teachers' mm-hmm. unions. I mean, you don't think that's going to play into where these kids go or or what's going to happen with kids going out there in the street? That's the first thing, and I'm surprised. I've heard almost nothing from that gentleman, you know, and he was always known for being the most vociferous person in in the Obama uh, cabinet, but for something like this, he has nothing to say, uh, which is strange to me. Well, actually, no, it's not really that strange to me. I'm almost not surprised at all. And then the other thing is, and again, this the elephant in the room that nobody wants to tackle. A lot of the a lot of the violence that we're seeing, and it's not just in Chicago, but all of the other places where, again, that staple of black on black, quote unquote, violence is taking place, it has a lot to do with America's failed war on drugs.
0: You
4: know? mm-hmm. Let's let's That's right. let's let's call it what it is. It has a lot to do with with a lot of bad drug policy where, it, I mean, listen, it was the same thing. And, again, Chicago, Chicago in the 20s and 30s when Capone was running things, it was the same thing. And guess what it was? It was off of booze. It was off of exactly. prohibition. It was off of prohibition. It was a wild west because, you know, prohibition kept people from selling and being taxed on selling alcohol. So they mm-hmm. took advantage of that. In this case, is is drugs, whatever your drug is. It could be coke, it could be weed, it could be meth, heroin, whatever have you. It's not legal, so anybody can come in and it's anyone's game, and this is the result. I guarantee exactly. you, I can guarantee you, I put money on it. If there was some kind of change in our drug policy, you know what I'm saying, you would not be seeing these things because it, it would effectively... In my mind, it would shatter gangs. It would shatter the need for a cartel or whatever, <laughs> you know, exactly. it, because what it, it's what happened. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yes. What I was going to say, what I find interesting is a lot of these um, older families with a lot of money, you know, like the Kennedys and other families like that, they made their wealth off of the alcohol prohibition. So. It's going to be really interesting that when drugs are legalized, and I believe they're going to legalize them so it's just a matter of time, you know, 50, 60 years from now, seeing which families profited from, you know, illegal drug sales, but now they're able to be proud of it because now it's legal. So it should be interesting, yeah. you know, how all of that comes out.
4: I mean, you know, because, listen, they got all these little nice names for it, like, when you did your little alcohol, hey, I was a moonshiner or a bootlegger. They dedicate shows mm-hmm. to that, they, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. for little moonshiners and bootleggers. But for us, it's the evil, you know, it's evil. But, again, it's all about these policies that for years now, I'm talking about 30 to going on 40 years of policy that have effectively failed. None of it's worked. And it's the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing expecting a different result. This is literally insanity, what we're seeing here. This is not different. At first it was L.A., then it went to Washington, and then it was New York, then it's Washington, D.C. Here in Miami during the 80s, man, it was pretty hot. It was so hot they made a TV show about it, (laughs) you know, about drugs and guns. It was Miami Vice because it was just so crazy. You know, and it's not going to change unless I believe the policies change. And it's not even about the guns. Fine. Let's, you know, again, it's like like Alfred's saying, it's like you can make it about the guns. Yes, part of it is. It's a big enough part of it that we do have to discuss it. But at the same time, these cats wouldn't be out in the streets doing this like this for no apparent reason. There's a reason for it. And unless we tackle that, unless we're ready to face that, you know, and whenever you bring up the the, the, the the discussion of legalization, you know, and even with President Obama, when you bring up the, the discussion about legalization or at least changing drug policy, he laughs like he's talking to Cheech and Chong, you know. That's what they always talk about, like they're stoners and slackers and blah, blah, blah. But really, honestly, if there's actual positive effect, if you put more money into, instead of prosecution rehabilitation you know it's been shown to work in other places so why not here
5: because we have exactly. this, like, an example of prohibition and I, I don't know this gilded this image that I love about
0: America no,
5: no I'm not here Okay, sorry I cut off for a second, but I, I love this gilded image that we try to put up, and then we play catch up with the rest of the world. Um, you know, and that's for anything as far as uh, cultural acceptance of uh of people of other uh, of transgender nature, you know, of uh, having a liberal-minded, progressive society instead of this regressive um, society that that uses archaic beliefs to propagate all kinds of crazy ideas and it, I always thought it was funny especially when dealing with uh, prohibition of uh, recreational drugs is that I thought America would have learned its lesson from prohibition of alcohol that it wasn't a good idea but yeah. <laughs> it's <one of> those, <laughs> those things where well you, you know, try it twice and you know just just to be sure you know it's that's, it's always funny
0: yeah,
4: I, I it's like how many times are you guys gonna keep? And it's it, and there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of great documentaries that have just come out about this. Uh, one of my personal favorites is the house that I live in, and it, it's a lot of things that are going on. And honestly speaking, again, it's the elephant in the room nobody wants to talk about. But you know, groups like ATF and the DEA and all of these new more militarized uh, police um, tactical units. This is how they make their bones. This is how they get money and funding to remain, keep the doors open by these drug busts and things like that. You know, it's like it, it, there's, it's like an entire shadow economy. You know, uh, of of that's what they're there for. So it it's beneficial to them to have Chicago being crazy. It's beneficial to them to for dope to come in through um, the port of Miami or something like that. It's beneficial because, you know, hey, you could be the bad guys bashing down doors, and it justifies, you know, surveying people. And also, too, it's 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 kind of like shooting fish in a barrel because most of these tactical units and the DEAs and the ATFs and things like that, they most of their, they go into low-income and minority neighborhoods to make most of their drug busts. So it's not even like, you know, they're not going after, or at least they're not doing it at the same rate, the super tankers that are bringing in 100 tons of coke or 100 tons of weed or or heroin or whatever. They're not going after it the same way. It's like every other day. You see, like down here, I don't know what they call them other places, but here we know them as the jump out boys. So we know, you know, see that black van coming, you know it's about to go down, and we've seen it all the time. It's what they do. It's how they pay for things, or how they get their, you know, their reason to get funded, which is a pathetic reason to keep anything, you know, when something else would be more effective.
5: Yeah, that's what really kills me too, because then it plays into this whole. uh, You remember when we did the we did the show on hegemonic privilege, and I brought up concept of inherent criminality it all plays a part because you can keep perpetuating this idea well you keep finding uh, uh, these type of people doing this type of uh, activity well okay that's fine are you playing this game where it's you're lying through statistics because there is a correlation between crime and poverty there's a direct correlation between crime and poverty but crime and race is the commonly held correlation, uh, because it fits the racialist ideologies of the people who are then perpetuating it. So they can keep saying, yeah. Well, numbers match here. Well, actually, just like Kevin mentioned, the uh numbers fall in the in the court of the people actually making those claims, but you don't hear it as well advertised and as well as uh uh on the media and through all these other sources because, well, why would you want to shoot yourself in the foot? If I can keep saying uh, it's uh, the big lie fallacy. If I keep saying this lie over and over again, you wouldn't believe it's true.
4: Right. Right. And, it, it, again, to me, it would be that easy. It's not I, – I don't believe that there would be a cure-all because you can, you can legalize drugs and stuff like that, but then you probably still have to deal with street gangs. But here, here you go. You legalize drugs, but hey, you also take a step in economic and educational progression. And I bet you any money, those gangs would dissolve themselves. They would you know, mostly. If you ask your average gang member, I don't care where you are, which city you're in, or whatever you ask them, it's because they felt. Listen, this was the only this is the only place I felt like I belonged, it's the only place I thought would take care of me. You give somebody an opportunity where. You know, mom and pop are both working, and my food and money are coming into the home on a regular basis. And I got no. I bet you any money. You know, they wouldn't be like, "Yeah, I want to still be in a gang. More than likely not, especially when you take away anything that 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 gives allure to being part of a game. You know what I'm saying? So,
1: exactly. It, it's a lot
4: of there's a lot of simple solutions, but I at this point. In my lifetime, I honestly believe, just like everything else, there's someone that's profiting from the suffering mm-hmm. in Chicago. Someone's profiting from it, and of exactly. course, the easy, the easy thing to say is, yes, it's a gun owner, or it's a gun, it's the gun corporation. Yes, yeah, that's yes. yeah. Of course, you want to go hang, you want to go for the low-hanging fruit and sure, yeah, okay, fine, it's those guys. You know, they're they're acceptable targets.
3: But then again, it's also
4: charter schools who want to shut down public schools so they can charge people to educate their children. You know?
1: Exactly, and then you have to follow the money because, again, you know, a lot of these cities are receiving grants from the state as well as the federal government to deal with Mm -hmm. the, you know, violence and the crime, and they get grants and they get that money, and they get bonuses so I'm like follow the money follow the money is more to this than you know a, an alleged criminal has guns in his hands I mean you know again <laughs> you talk about public policy we have to look at the big picture but we have a caller we have the boom on the line drag night your friend the boom from youtube hello hello
6: this is william another uh, way it's known as the boom um I've been listening in for a little bit, and I have a quite a good idea as to how the conversation is going. Um, the solutions are easy to come by. You can ask many people; they can come up with a solution. It's the implementation of those solutions that is very, very difficult. Um, you have to get the will of the people. As in the one of the most evident thing I can think of right now is how they got SOPA to not be passed. I think it's SOPA or um, one of the internet things. Enough people actually got around to going, hey, we don't actually want this, and then it didn't happen. It's People need to actually do something if they want something done. As far as blaming the um, gun companies or the NRA, um, it's easy to blame them and we can actually make connections because they're a gun lobby and we can actually see physical money being exchanged from one hand to another. However, as far as charter schools go, um, I, I can't say too much bad about them because, uh, they didn't charge me to go to those schools. And I've been to various, uh, charter schools as well as a technical high school. Technical high schools, um, are something that should be promoted. Um, a technical high school, what it is, is it's preparing you, not just for um, a uh, job, but for college. It gives you, it can give you college credit. It can give you um, training and resources on how to, what I was doing in one of my classes was web design. Um, very, very extraordinary educational um standing it it's technical high schools are very good, but as far as um the gun policy goes, it got rejected by a party that didn't even read it.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: the
6: Republicans it, rejected it entirely without even reading it
4: yeah and it, it, it's like i said um you know it's it's low hanging fruit it's the it, yes, we. It, it's kind of like a given in, in my mind. It's a given in regards to the gun lobbies and who those folks who don't want to see anything done about that. I mean, hey, what's the more effect? What's the most effective way to show somebody that your gun works than that? You know, but um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you about the uh, about technical schools. I I wish that there were a lot more of them, um, or at least the the framework of, you know, it's not just reading, writing, arithmetic, but literally we're preparing you to, you know, go out into the world and be ready to work as soon as somebody taps you. You know what I'm saying? Um I agree wholeheartedly with that.
5: Yeah, and I I I went to public school. Uh, the fact that I have not experienced a charter school kind of, uh, I I don't don't feel adequate speaking as to the quality of it. I do know people who have benefited from it, yes, but at some point uh, someone's being paid for this. And like you said, the state can pay for this if they want to fund a resource such as this and the state wants to... Have more productive and educated people, then guess what this is an opportunity for a student to excel whereas in their uh current situation they were unable to and for whatever reasons and the, the person that I uh, used to live with had a really hard time in public school because of their situation at home i am not going to go you know too far into that, but
0: I think. It was, it was, it was,
5: Justice because it's more hope Now, I would actually challenge to say that it's good that folks. Uh, it's good. I mean, what am I trying to say? <laughs> it's good that folks uh, are getting more educated as far as what's going on. I still hear a, a lot of rhetoric as towards, well, you know, look at uh, look at Detroit, look at Chicago, and the folks that are saying this use it like again as a pincushion for their confirmation bias it's already a crappy place with crappy people so look at it just continuously getting worse so how 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 do these people plan to make it better well it's usually some type of military or paramilitary action uh that's always suggested It's, it's never well you know we need to look at the socio-economical aspects of this to see why there's so many gangs, why there's uh, drugs, gun violence, what is actually going on. It's always mm-hmm. some force, but you never hear anything like that in a nice suburban area that has an issue with, well, you know, a lot of their uh, citizens want to keep slaves uh, from other countries like Nigeria or uh, Wakanda or, you know, wherever. So
0: mm-hmm.
5: it, I, I find it really ironic that because it gets more media exposure, and it's a pincushion for confirmation bias about certain types of people that live there, it's easier for you to say, well, it. I I I don't find it uh, bad that these people should incur this type of violence against them since they're already naturally that violent, very they're, they're used. To it. So it, it's something yeah. that, and I, and I won't say anything, and I'll kind of let the conversation play out on its own. Mm-hmm. and see you know what they truly suggest and they truly think is going to happen, and then when I ask them, okay, so what conflict can you remember that has had paramilitary military action, more violence put out against it, and it's turned out for the better? And I, I don't get any type of response. So exactly, it's really really interesting when you bring up something like that because you never see the N uh, the NRA uh, have a a perfect public service announcement or any kind of uh, media attention towards areas such as those with certain demographics of people uh, wanting them to be armed.
4: Yeah, like oh yeah, sure. Because more guns is going to solve this problem, you know. Yeah, I, I mean that—that's the funny thing. And you know, when people crack on Detroit, it, it shows such a lack of a lack of knowledge of. Of history, Or if you want to crack on Chicago, again, that's such a lack of knowledge of history. I mean, Detroit kept America running. It's the motor city. That's where all our cars used to come from. That's all they did. They would make cars and make good music. That's it. That's what Detroit gave you. You got a car and some really good music. Motown. That's what people do. You know, it was one of the first places that had one of the first you know, when folks are coming back from the war, it's one of the first places that have public housing for African Americans. They just tore down um, the buildings where Diana Ross and the Supremes used to live. You know, so I mean, yes. At, you want to know when this place started started going down and became the Detroit people like to make fun of? Well, that happened. You know, when they started shutting down all of these factories. When they said, Well no, we would much rather our cars, you know, not be made here, be made somewhere else, or be made, you know, for less money, or bring we ship it in from Japan. Of course. That's what's gonna happen. You got you left a big hole where industry used to be and they never put anything in there to replace it. You know?
6: Yes. And as a matter of fact, um, this is what happens. This is why I don't like um, contracting companies. Uh, I'll give you an example. Teleperformance or Convergis or um, these companies, yes, are providing jobs to Americans, but they're providing them at um, less than wages that would be normally provided, um, let's say, in uh, in if you were doing tech support for people. Um, you would get paid, say, fifteen to twenty dollars an hour in mm-hmm. in Utah. Um, well, you go for these contracting companies for the exact same job, and you end up getting like uh, eleven to thirteen an hour. Um, yeah, jobs like this, and when you move money other places and reduce costs, and it um, reduces your costs, but also cuts off. Funding going outwards. Well, a capitalistic system only works if there's money in the circle. So money has to go in and it has to flow in a continuous circle. Otherwise, if it gets dammed up somewhere and less money is going towards the bottom of that circle, less money obviously isn't going to go towards the top. Exactly. And yeah. And when you have people doing like the you know, contracting out, even if it's in America, you're still contracting out at less wages, thus putting less money in the economy. How much of a profit do you have to make? Is the question? Yeah.
4: Yeah, and it, 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 it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, when when you have when you have corporation owners now, bosses that are making Scrooge McDuck paychecks, it's ridiculous. You can't even. You know, it, it it doesn't even give uh, morale-wise. You know, even morale-wise, if you look at say, for instance, the salary of Jamie Dimon, you know, of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. If you look at his salary. It doesn't. You can't even aspire to that kind of money. you just gonna sit down and make five hundred million dollars from sitting on your ass, <laughs> and then you probably got like a four a hundred million dollar golden parachute if they decide to prosecute you or give you a slap on the wrist. You know, who can aspire to anything like that, um, you know, working the way folks work? And, again, it's it's really, it, again, when you talk about cities like Detroit and you talk about cities like Chicago and things like that, yeah. they weren't always like that. They were not always like that. And then to have, you know, to, to put them down that way it just shows that there's such a lack of understanding of the issue it's to the point of being pathetic, but it does bring me to um, another uh, topic that I wanted to bring up and talk about on this mad, mad world of ours. I'm sure some. Uh, I'm sure you all heard about this. Um, you know, earlier this week, in the House of Representatives voted on this Thursday. This was Thursday, approved sweeping reforms to the nation's food stamp program that would cut some forty billion dollars nutrition aid over 10 years and denied benefits to millions starting in 2014. Uh, I I really don't... I, I want to read off a couple of statistics, you know, before we get into this. I, you know, um, if you have the ability to and you want to look it up, it's um, from feedingamerica.org, but I'm going to read a couple of hung, hunger and poverty statistics for you. You know, in 2011... Last year, I mean two years ago, 50.1 million Americans lived in food insecure households, 33.5 million adults, and 16.7 million children. 14% of households, 17.9 million households, were food insecure. 5.7% of households in America
0: experienced
4: low food security. Um, the list goes on. Food insecurity exists in every county in America, ranging from a low 2.4% to a high 35.2%
0: in Holmes County.
4: Now, I'm bringing this up because I also want to read this one statistic. Now, we have Kansas, uh, uh, the majority there, Eric Cantor from Virginia, uh, Tim Hughes came from Kansas, Oklahoma, uh Florida, all of these things, Ohio. I want to read these names. Michigan, where Detroit is, they're saying, you know, they're, they were all for it, all these Republicans from these states. I want to read off the national average. This is the seven states. The national no. student security average is 14.7%. I'm
3: going to read
4: off some of the states where the uh, Republican uh Republicans in the House of Representatives. That's Mississippi, Texas, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, and North Carolina. The United States, uh, the average of food insecurity was 14.7. Mississippi is at 19.2%. Texas is at 18.5%. Arkansas is at 19.2%. Alabama is at 18.2%. Georgia is at 17.4%, and North Carolina is at 17.1%. These, All these states had Republican representatives in the House of Representatives, and all of those states, their representatives voted to cut um, cut food stamps or cut any kind of government assistance to their citizens.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: I don't know what
4: anyone else would call that, but I call that, but it's, it's that's not even differing political views. Right now, that's just evil. That's the banality of evil right there.
6: Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I um put in something in the chat. Um but also if you look if you know you said earlier look for the money, well look for where the money's not. And that and yeah. what I mean by that is look for how the unemployment rate correlates with what you're describing. Um, Michigan, as a matter of fact, has a very high unemployment. It's actually one of the highest states um, to have unemployment. And uh, just to bring it really quickly back, um, when the uh, automotive industry crashed and they stopped having factories there, the metal works also didn't have work because they couldn't, you know, metal works go into making cars, go into making Mm -hmm. the metal for cars. So when you have one company go down, the other also went down as well. If you actually look, you can see that the um, metals factories are all shut down too.
4: hmm Yeah, and listen, and you want to know, here's the thing, and I I get really upset when we talk about this because when you read this, and I want to read a quote from, uh, this, is, this is a quote from Representative Tim Camp from, from Kansas. He says, if you're a healthy adult and you don't have some, and don't have someone relying on you to take care for them, you ought to earn the benefits you receive. Look for work. Start job training to improve your skills or do community service. But you can no longer sit on your couch or ride a surfboard like Jason in California and expect a federal taxpayer to feed you. Now, this is the this is the most tone deaf, out of touch statement that I've in
6: a while mm-hmm. as a matter because, of fact um yeah. it, this is going into cutting into sort of where i stand i was on unemployment for a very long period of time until i got a job that i'm comfortably in and make enough that i can pay off all my debts and, all, and so on and so forth um mm-hmm. and as well as i was applying for food stamps because i couldn't afford to feed myself Based on the uh, amount I made from unemployment, I made less than minimum wage on unemployment. Exactly. So it's definitely not um, beneficial to be on unemployment for very long. I actually was on so long I had I was on tier two, which is where you get reduced benefits and you. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah.
6: Yeah. No, I was looking there. for I've work been. and I couldn't find it.
4: No, I, I've been there, and this is you know whose fault this is. Boom. This is Ronald Reagan's fault. This was a this was a lie he told 30 years ago, and people just ran with it. People ran with this lie and they never let it go. And it's the myth of the welfare queen, and her cousins are all the slackers. It's the welfare queen with six Cadillacs and and she's got a house and all of those things, and she's got kids and she can't feed and all of those things. If you look at any of the statistics, and there's tons out there, if you only care to look for them, you mm-hmm. would actually see that most single-parent homes that have a parent that is on um, on government assistance, they only have one child. They don't have like 10 and 17 kids. And the average yeah. time for a person that to be on unemployment or something like that, anywhere from two to five years. Yeah. And, that's and as a matter of
6: fact, Sorry, mm-hmm. I was gonna say. Yeah, as a matter of fact, my family was on that, and we wouldn't have been able to survive without it, nor be in the position we are now. And and let's and as a matter of fact, there's also statistics that show that this is a, a very beneficial. Uh, uh, yeah. Essentially, with these kind of things, they do get returns on them. They get, like, for every $1, they get, like, $2 back, I think, was the last number. Exactly,
4: They do get that money back. And here's the other thing. Most people, most of the folks that are on, you know, government assistance right now, again, even if there was a time, and, and, and no one can prove that there ever was a time like this, but even if there was a time when there were people who were supposedly just on welfare and never had jobs, that time is pretty much gone. Most of the folks that are on welfare right now, if they're not elderly or disabled or a small child, are people from two-income families. So that means it's not the unemployed anymore, it's the underemployed. People at Walmart are working at Walmart, and people can make jokes about it. We can make jokes about Walmart. I know I do it too. But at the end of the day, you're looking at folks who come in probably 7 a.m. and probably don't leave until 5 p.m., you know, or work from 11 p.m. to 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning, but they still qualify for, you know, government assistance. I don't know, but that doesn't make sense. How can you have a full-time job and still qualify for government assistance? It would mean that these folks aren't getting paid the wages to that are equal to the cost of living. And that's the problem here. But, again, they're still going off of these old Stories of people that they can't prove or they can't prove exist. Maybe one person that's screwing up and that 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 found a loophole in the system and managed to work it. But the majority of people who are on government assistance either go on and then get off, or go on and and then you know drug tests for people on 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 government assistance, which is now criminalizing being poor. But then also too, they've never. And here in the state of Florida, it actually costs more to actually run those drug tests than it, it, it then they had to pay people to be on government assistance, and they didn't find anybody that was using drugs or using government assistance to purchase drugs in sense they all passed their drug tests now, the only number the number of people that were caught doing it about point one percent is that. So that was just, and you know, and these are from the people who always bitch and moan about government wasteful spending. You know? Yeah. that's
5: uh, funny. It, it's always funny because when I do have these conversations with certain folks, well, I know this one guy, he's illiterate. He has a $20, $20 an hour job. So the jobs are out there. I said, no,
6: your friend sucked somebody's penis.
5: And, you know, figuratively,
0: <laughs> excuse my <friend. laughs>
6: As a matter of fact, there's plenty of people uh, where uh, – um, consumer electric who have no idea how to work a computer and are completely illiterate of how computers work and they barely know how to log in and I'm not even being as in I don't like my job, it's, I know this from experience, I listen to phone calls, um, but it's they don't know how to work computers but they are people who work your electronics you don't have to know certain things to get certain jobs, but for getting into consumer electric, you you have to know someone. It's very difficult to get in any position at this time.
0: Yeah,
4: I mean, for again, it's just tone-deaf statements like look for work, start job training. This sounds like a person who was just born in the year 2011 because I don't know about anybody else, we had the largest financial collapse since the Great Depression in two thousand and eight. I mean, it literally almost broke the planet, you know. Mm-hmm. And pe- tons of people lost jobs. People lost their homes. There was the there was the mortgage bust, you know, the, merge, the mortgage bubble burst. So people weren't just losing their jobs; they were losing their homes. So mm-hmm. first, so they had no choice but to go to the government and say, "Help us," because this is fall. This is free fall, and, and those folks got that help, or they managed to get some help. But here we are, and this is 2013, and we, we've had two elections so far, and no one's introduced a jobs bill, but they introduced a bill to cut government assistance, which doesn't make sense. Okay, you cut the government assistance. Where are the jobs where people can go work? <laughs> I mean, where are the jobs at? And then uh, here's the other thing. Okay, let's training programs. Where are the training programs so people can go and or let's just say if you are going to be on government assistance, we're going to make sure that you, you know, in addition to getting your um, things, we you have to go to school. Or we're going to put. Yeah, actually, again. I can answer that. Yeah.
6: Because when I was on unemployment, um, you could actually um, go in for paid training you could actually learn uh skills exactly. and stuff like that but that's to. not the problem because as a matter of fact i'm a very um experienced uh technician a uh, tech support and a very right. well experienced and i know my way around the computer but i still couldn't get a computer tech support job that the exactly. jobs simply are and we're not there and it's and it was very very exclusive There were like over 200 or so people applying for the same position I was. So it was yeah. a very competitive market.
4: Again, and, and these are the folks that, you know, nowadays, these are folks that, hey, I had a college degree, or, hey, I went to technical school, or I did what I had to do. I served my time in the military. I did this. I did that. But, and through no fault of my own, I lost my home or I lost my job, and I'm trying to get back to where I need to get to there are people who are working, like I said, with the whole Walmart situation and other fields of employment that they're underemployed or they're not working and there's a terrible living wage. Like, a couple of weeks ago, they had that walk out at McDonald's and other fast food restaurants because it's like, listen, we can't survive on what you're paying. us. And those are folks that are also working for a check, but they're also on government assistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can use a um. full-time job and still be like, I I can't make ends meet
6: Mm-hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, what un- what the minimum wage should be, and I actually looked it up. Walmart get, employees get paid $11.25 an hour, I think. Yeah, um, Which wow, is I actually still it. pretty good. That's still, I mean, that's better. If you're in Utah, that's actually a, a good livable wage because people at um, um, In and Out get paid eleven, and that's in states like, you know. Utah, that's good, but in California, no, that's that's pretty bad (laughs) because it takes a lot more. Um, But where was I going? Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Standard living, (laughs) we're alluding to. Oh yes, yes, the standard of living, um, as far as the minimum wage, what it should be, it should be um, based on the when it was think it was like nineteen fifty something when minimum wage was implemented uh based on um in inflation it should be at least ten fifty an hour and if based on production, which means mean how much we produce as workers, it should be fifteen uh fifty an hour um, in order to you know meet production but in order to just have a livable wage based on inflation mm-hmm. it should be ten fifty an hour and by yeah. and you worked at Walmart like you said uh, did they cut your hours back when you were working did they make you not a full-time employee i was like sure they they I say did. this a couple of times huh people people should just say that about walmart but i don't actually know because i've never worked for walmart
4: i i did and um yeah hours got cut i mean everybody people it's like this no one even with a good or a regular job, uh, you should never have to feel like you're under the gun as long as you're working. And it's those things that you talk about with job security. And, and uh, you know, there was never a sense of this is going to be here tomorrow. Even with Walmart being Walmart, you know, I was there. I could only stay so long before I was like, man, I'm working this hard and I can't, it, it feels like I'm getting nothing for it, you know? And, and, you know, like I said, it's not terrible what you get paid, but when you compare it to the cost of living, then, you know, then that becomes problematic. That's where it is. I mean, if you're a young person, you don't have any children, and you're living out of, you know, probably with roommates and stuff like that, or you're living with your family,
3: you probably
4: are right. But if you're, in my case, when it was, I was married, I'm married, and I have three children well, two children at the time, Um, that was not cutting it. (laughs) And I would work. I was working. I did double shifts and stuff. But then you'd hear about, hey, hours are about to be cut. Or if mine was an older Walmart and they were building a newer Walmart down the street, so not as many people would come to this Walmart, all kinds of things. So, yeah, it does take an effect. It did take an effect to us.
6: Mm -hmm. And so that brings it to the point of uh, if even if you're making eleven dollars an hour, if you're getting part time hours, that's you know not gonna help because I was making eleven at Costco, um, being mm-hmm. a food demonstrator. I was only working six hours, so it wasn't as if I had you know uh, it, it was getting like four hundred dollars a you know, paycheck or something.
4: Yeah,
6: Um in, what's alphabet uh, uh, so, yeah, I was but, gonna say, oh, what was it? I, I keep losing my own train of thought. <laughs> uh, but, oh yes, yes, I wanted to promote a comp- the company I work for, and um, because the company I work for is job stable, even though they're an Indian company, which means their own, they originated in India. It's not like they um, took they were in America and then moved to India. No, they were already in India and then they moved to America. But if you want to talk job stability and actually there is quite a few positions um that are hiring. Um H C L is a company that within which um paid my dad when he didn't have a contract to go to. And mm-hmm. He um when he was sitting unassigned to a contract, which means H E L isn't getting paid to pay him, they were still paying him his full salary. As a matter of fact, when the economic downturn went, they paid yeah. everybody full wages and took the hit. And as a matter of fact, they're a ninety billion dollar company. Uh sorry, sixty billion dollar company. I misspoke. Um that's a huge gap. But um um as a matter of fact, I'm actually gonna I um, asked because they're going to pay for my certifi- uh, Microsoft certifications. So I was like, hey, well, they might pay for my A-plus certification. And turns out, yeah, they're going to pay for my A-plus too. So hey, that's a good company is all I'm saying. Amen. Hey, man,
4: it's good to hear that it's working out for you. Honestly, it is. You know, uh I was just watching yesterday, you know, we're we're looking at a n and this was the daily show. I hadn't heard this on the regular news. This was what was crazy. I'm looking at the daily show and they did a story on you know, we're talking about, you know, wage disparity and things like that. It's not just that it's happening with the economy. Now, you know, job these these guys who own these companies or own these franchises are deliberately doing it. Where, because they didn't want to pay into the Affordable Health Care Act, you know if you have to get it or it's, you have a penalty or something like that, so they're opting not to get it, they cut back the, they're cutting back on the hours of their full time workers, so now their full time workers have now been turned into part time workers and are going home with less money than they would be getting it normally just so their boss doesn't want to pay benefits. And they had the gentleman, this is Subway, a franchise owner. He had 21 stores and he says, yeah, I don't want to pay an Obama Obamacare. I mean, again, that's not even politically, we politically disagree with one another. And, and to me, that's not a problem. If you're a conservative, you're a conservative. If you're a liberal, you're a liberal. And they, you don't have to necessarily agree with one another. But to do something like that, like I'm deliberately not going to make, I'm going to make sure that you don't get paid well to show, you know, president Obama, I guess that, you know, I'm, I mean, business that's, that would be what you call evil. That would be unnecessary.
6: Yeah. Unnecessary suffering to people is an act of evil. Um, As a matter of fact, if they, if they actually did the math and they, they, I don't know, thought for a second, um, if you realize that benefits not just benefit the employee, but in benefit, the employer, um, the benefits that he's paying for would be required to pay for because he has over 50 employees and is mm-hmm. actually making a substantial amount of money off of those 50 employees. Because I know they keep mm-hmm. bumping up the prices on Subway.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. The funniest thing, you know, we have we've had this kind of discussion before, but you know, I really don't understand why. And I'm not that bright. I'm not as smart as other people are, and I, I'm okay with admitting that. You know, I don't know why it's never occurred to a lot of these corporation owners that, listen, a well-paid worker, you know, we you, is that a happy worker is a well-paid worker. They don't have to – you don't have to do much. You just make sure I can take care of my kids, I can pay for my – and every now and again we could do something good as a family or whatever. I'm not going to ask – I'm not I, – I don't ask for much. And you'll find that a lot of American citizens don't ask for much. If you paid them well, no one would be arguing. No one would have a problem anywhere. You can have your $400 million. If at night I can make sure I can pay my mortgage, pay my bills, send my kids to school – you know, hey, and maybe buy a hibachi or buy a, a grill for my backyard,
0: or something.
6: Yeah. No and as a hibachi. matter, yeah. And as a matter of fact, you can be asked to do a lot more when you're a content employee, and exactly, you, you'll stay in a place longer if you have good benefits and good management, and good pay. Yeah. These are the three exactly. factors. But if you're told, I mean, you know, ask tons of stuff you know, to do tons of stuff, you'll you end up doing it.
4: Yeah, because it's like this. Because you're thinking, hey, man, can you stay another hour for me? Yeah, sure. If you're paying me 18 you know, 18, $19 an hour, sure, I'll stay an extra hour for you. Because that counts as overtime. Or, yeah, I'm going to come work on Christmas. I'm even believing it. Sure, I'll work Christmas. Whatever. You know, because I'm, I'm thinking about that fat check that I'm going to get you know, or if I hit my head or I have an accident on the job, when I go to the doctor, my insurance is taking care of it. So I'm not... It, people will do this because I'm going to get that check. And guess what? I'm going to put it right back into the system. I'm going to go to a store. I'm going to buy something pretty for my wife and something shiny for my kids. That's what people do. I mean, yeah, as it's a not matter, even,
6: mm-hmm.
4: You know, it's not rocket science, man. Mm-hmm.
6: And as a matter of fact... Um, low-income earners or people on the lower end of the spectrum are far more likely to spend um, – um, what is it called? Uh, it's When you have extra money. Uh, disposable three. income? Yeah, disposable income. When you have disposable income, we're more, more likely to spend it. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to make sure that I don't spend it, but I've gotten into um, some things. <laughs>
2: And certainly, I mean
4: you paid me well. I'm, I mean if if I could now I got kids I can't make the expenditures like this anymore. But believe me,
2: if I you paid me well,
4: the
1: next place I'd have been going was
4: to get Grand Theft Auto Five. That's just how I wrote, because you paid me well. I don't even have to think about it. That's the next place I would go because I'm making well. But um, there's also something else I wanted to bring up is that 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 that, that you know we wanted that I wanted to discuss as well. You know we're talking about all of these states, you know, we're discussing the Republicans in the House, and, it does, uh, and it's the state of North Carolina at 17.1%, one percent people who can barely eat, but there's a story that um, I was reading about that I wanted to share as well, and in the state of North Carolina, I don't know what's really going on with this country here, it's like the most, you know Chinese uh you know draconian state that i i think is in the union now but North Carolina for some odd reason has banned Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man and um you know uh this i it doesn't make sense to me but what they say it it doesn't uh, you know what they said was it doesn't have any literary value and, you know, for those of you, if you're listening, if you've never read the book, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man is basically, it's a, it's a discussion about race. It's told in first-person narrative, but it's its a first-person discussion of what racism is in America and how it affects people of color, or in, in this case, the titular Invisible Man. Um, I'd like to read the, the opening quote. From the book, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about it for a couple of minutes. Um, it, the book opens with saying, I am an invisible man. No, I am not a spook like those haunt, those who haunted Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, nor am I one of your Hollywood movie ectoplasms. I am a man of substance, of flesh and bone, fiber and liquids, and I might even be said to possess a mind. I am invisible understand simply because people refuse to see me. And that's a first of all, thank you, North Carolina, for, for being so ironic that you made this you made his words absolutely true because now people can't see
6: the um, invisible man. A quick question. Um at what level did they ban it? Did they ban it? I'm just it's curious. <laughs> they
4: banned this they banned this in um State-wide? High school.
6: And so the it was the state of Carolina's board of education of the entire state.
4: That, yeah. Now they're saying it's available mm-hmm. in libraries, and it, they'll they won't be it, they'll be able to find it. They don't say where it is, but it's uh, it still remains on the the state department of public instruction's list of suggested supplemental works for high school students, but. At the same time, you can't find it anywhere, so it's like, yeah, sure, we you invisible man. Good luck finding it, ha ha, because it's invisible, but it's not it's it's nowhere it's been pulled from the shelves, it's been banned from school libraries in Randolph county, North carolina
0: mm-hmm. and
4: it's 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 funny. I read the book, and here's the thing and and I want to make this clear too there's this You know, Alfred was talking earlier in the show when we started, and it was talking about Texas and, you know, these religious uh, folks who are trying to ban science from the classroom and who are trying to ban uh, 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 any kind of critical thinking amongst their students. And this just plays into this, too. And it's not just, you know, Invisible Man, which is a masterwork of, you know, about the discussion Of race in America, you know, way ahead of its time. But then it's not just that book, and it's not just books about race. It's going to have been stuff like The Diary of Anne Frank and, you know, books from Kurt Vonnegut. These are books that encourage you to use, I don't know, maybe more than one brain cell. And what bothers me, and we're talking about poverty, we're talking about, um, 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 you know, cultural decay. The most once you take away the ability, there's just this, this run. You know, people are running away from intellectualism in America. You know the you know the word elite. I remember when um, you know President Obama was just a senator running from office, running for office. I'm sorry, and he you know made a statement about people feeling like they don't like something about elitism he took a lot of flack for it. And in my mind, I'm like, what's wrong with being elite? We're always talking about this thing, this concept of American exceptionalism, but our kids don't like to read. Or people are uneducated and like it. There's this desire to not know the answer to a question that you get asked. And to me, that's the most terrifying thing. That signals the end of a society. You know, that signals the end of progression, in my mind. You know, books where people look at life or look at culture or society from a different angle, regardless of what it's about, and people are just like, no, let's not read that. And they'll make these petty statements, like with with Invisible Man, the statement was, well, it's not of literary value to me. And this was a person who was on the board of education,
0: Mm -hmm. but
4: also... They say, well, it's also its lack of innocence, its language and sexual content. And what bothers me about that is, okay, you'll ban Ralph Ellison's um, Invisible Man because of sexual content, or you'll, buy, you'll ban the Diary of Anne Frank because there's a very, she has a very graphic, or not graphic, but for a young girl, she's talking about herself sexually. Okay, you want to ban it too? But why won't anyone ban from schools the most violent, vulgar, you know, sexual book that's ever been written? And it's called the Bible. If anyone's ever actually read the Bible, I bet you any money. Most people, most religious people who live and die by the Bible, I'll bet you money, have never actually read that book. It's like it's been written by Quentin Tarantino.
6: Yeah, and there's, there's like a study that showed that um, one out of ten people who were Christian proclaimed who were proclaimed to be Christian have actually read the Bible cover to cover. Um, there's in it, actually I've learned I've actually recently looked into something, and this this actually makes it make sense why it's written the way it's written makes a lot of sense there's a lot of things that go into it Um, A. the Hebrews were writing for uh, anti-simulation laws because they didn't want to be assimilated with the Romans Uh, B. uh, the Canaanite god Yahweh is actually a war god um, of a war and fire and that's why he's depicted as a volcano because a volcano is a fiery um thing uh by smoke by day uh and fire by night um is how you know yahweh led the mosaic people um but if you also take into account that he's a god of war it makes sense why he's telling you how to conduct yourself not as a society but as someone who's conducting themselves constantly in war um that's yeah. why they were having battles all the time that's why they it's described as brutal bloody things because there's no television and you have to be as descriptive as possible to help people you know with their imaginations um yeah, it's
0: a
4: it's a fantasy book it's 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 fan fiction <laughs> if if you read it i mean there's some things like it's like reading game of thrones if you read those books i mean how can you say that again invisible man is too you know, you you can't with with a mind that works say invisible man has too much sexual content if in the book of Genesis you've got stories about daughters raping their fathers after getting him drunk, you know, or a guy marrying him marrying his cousin and then also having children with their illegitimate sister you can't skip those things, I mean don't those are pretty glaring things to overlook. And, mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, gay, gay people are terrible, but sure, marry your cousin. That's not a big deal. You know, that's so, yeah. that's no, all we, right. <laughs> I dare
5: anyone listen. Turn to Leviticus 2320 and read it verbatim. That that, <laughs> that one verse has been translated so many times, but it still reads as a narrative of porno. What quality yes. would you say that that's going to give any child? And, and that I even told that i even told my mom mother looked that up she's like i never read that before i was like you've been studying this bible you've been teaching us this and you've never read the whole thing and you never knew that I was in there but yet you exactly. want me to this are you serious so but you know i don't blame you because people forget the bible is a compilation of books it's not comprehensive reading the whole thing is not going to have any kind of intrinsic value if you read the first a few chapters of Genesis you're gonna know it's a contradiction and if you know how the how the Bible was compiled you'll know why it's a contradiction and where it is. You know, just in the uh in the lore, the 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 creation lore. Uh yeah. Some of you already know what I'm talking about, but I mean that's just one example. So it really shows how uh biased folks are and they're and they have no problem in trying to propagate their religion if it were true. I mean...
1: Hey, we have a, a caller on the line. We have Sakura. She wanted to join in the conversation. Sakura, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, welcome.
2: Hello. Um... I've been getting a lot of hate on Facebook, and it's about religion, because I just stopped... I just recently stopped believing in all of that stupid religion stuff, and... I don't know. I, I decided to post statuses about it because, hey, there's religious people posting statuses about God and stuff. How come I can't post my statuses? So there's people that are, like, private messaging me and harassing me saying that I shouldn't post my own thoughts and feelings because religion is a sensitive subject. And it's like, so is it okay for religious people to post this? And I try to hide my statuses from my family. But apparently, my mom logged into my cousin's Facebook because she doesn't know her password. So she saw my statuses. And she's like, No, you have to keep God with you. And I'm like, Mama, why are you lying to yourself? Because she doesn't read the Bible. Because she, she thinks he's stupid. We haven't been in church for a good while. And I was like, Mom, you do realize that they beat our african ancestors into believing this bull crap so she responded to me with something really stupid she's like that's why we need to read the bible and i'm like really you're gonna tell me something like this and it's people that's like oh you're just an angry atheist and i'm like i'm not atheist i i don't have any type of title i don't like to go by any type of title
4: well you know, it, and I'm speaking as someone. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was Christian longer. I've been Christian longer than I've been an atheist. Or yeah, I only recently started uh, uh, openly calling me my, calling myself that, like a couple of years ago,
5: saying flat out, "Hey, man, I'm
4: atheist." Um, it's not going to be easy. It's just like anything else. It's any. It's like anything where you have chosen for yourself to to assert yourself and say, "Look." I, I just can't do this anymore. You know, you're going to get it. I wish I could tell you that, yeah, it's going to be as easy as, hey, man, I'm not cool. It's not a, it, you have better chances of living in Cleveland and saying, I don't like the Cleveland Browns than, you know, telling a Christian, hey, I, I don't really feel, because any other thing, this is why, you know, people are, 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 allude to brainwashing and things like that when you talk about religion, because, you can't just walk away, and no one's going to just let you walk away. I mean, you can walk away from any other thing that you don't like to do anymore. I don't care what it is. You can walk away from doing it. Say, hey, hey you know what? I don't really like lasagna anymore. No one's going to try and force feed you lasagna.
6: Or I, I you... want to be a vegetarian. Yes.
4: <laughs> yeah, like, hey, I want to be a vegetarian. Yeah, You know, yeah, sure. you're going to get people. You know, you got people that guard. hey, man, meat is awesome, but no one's going to run around trying to force a steak down your throat. Religion, not so much. Not so much. And and you know what? Once you, It's kind of like waking up from the matrix. Once you're awake, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. You can't. Because, you know, yeah, and
6: you maybe it, comforting because uh, my mom had the opinion that because of an atheist, therefore, uh, she's a bad parent. Um, and I convinced her otherwise, uh, that that's not true because I'm, I know I brag about myself, but that's because that stuff happened to me. Um, and essentially it's not really bragging if it's true and they don't exaggerate on what I've accomplished. I've accomplished a lot and not to try anyone who hasn't accomplished things Is you will accomplish things. It's just happens on your own. <laughs>
4: um but yeah oh, so. right. i mean if um, i could advise you sorry
2: go ahead i wanted to say something else um let me see my mom told me she's going to buy a bible for me i I really don't know what that's gonna do for me i mean wait. i'll read it and
6: wait a huh? minute. i'm gonna ask you something um did she say she's gonna buy one
2: Yes, somebody gonna buy a Bible. To okay,
6: first of all, you don't buy a Bible; they provide them for free, and they do cost the church money. But you don't buy them. Uh, but also, you can get the Bible. Is app on your phone, and also online, so you don't have to buy one. I don't. I've never heard someone actually buy one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell
4: you what. Do uh, I, and you know what? Don't do it with any snark. Don't do it. You know, you are who you are, and. No one's gonna change you at this point, you know, and no one should try to change you. You are who you are. But if My they mom, do get you,
2: like she doesn't have such the greatest understanding. Like me and her got into it a couple of months ago about this. She's kind of aggressive. I don't want to get into full details about it, but she's really aggressive, and it's it's aggravating because it's like okay okay, do you think your God would actually want you to do this? And that's what I don't understand about some Christian people. They're like, they'll attack you or they'll get angry and offended because of how you feel. It's like, okay, you say your God is all good and mighty and loves you. I really don't think if he was real, I don't think he would want you to do this.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say this. If you want to have a real conversation, if you want to have a conversation with your mom, you know, it, let them give you the Bible, and they're yeah, okay. Take the Bible instead. Turn, turn to the parts of the Bible that you know, no, no sane Christian pastor, and they'll avoid this with, ev- with every fiber of their being. Turn it to parts of the Bible where no sane believer could justify, like you know, where David brought Saul a hundred foreskins from Philistine penises. Just hey, what's this about, Mom? What justification? Why? Why, why would? Why is this in this book? <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. turn to the chapter about girls who get stoned to death if they get raped and don't scream loudly enough. Turn to those chapters and because they're in there. No matter what book, no matter what version you get, it could be the new international version, the new King James version, the old King James version. No matter what version, the revised standard version of the Bible, all of those stories are still in there. Just point to them and go, because most Christians will, most religious folks will always point to the shiny, happy, My Little Pony sections of the Bible. And no, point them to the to the to the R-rated section, the one behind the curtain, and ask them, explain that to me. Mm-hmm. Why should I want to read that? And, mm-hmm. and then put put things into context for them. You know, like they love telling the story about how God freed all the slaves from Egypt, even though actually, historically there's no evidence of that happening. But
6: Yeah. Well, not just that, but... Um, there's no evidence of fact, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, that part isn't about freeing the slaves from Egypt. Um, yeah. They were actually um, not freed. They were actually now the slaves of um, of... Yahweh, because if you read it and you actually see the part, it actually specifies that the reason that in the year of Jubilee that the Jews could become free is because they're not property, they're loan property of other people, but permanent property of God.
4: Yeah. I You know, again, just point to those things and put it into its proper context. You know, okay, okay, let's just say you accept. That one of the plagues was that God was going to kill the firstborn of every Egyptian. Ask God, ask your parents why would God kill kids that had nothing to do with the decisions their parents made. You know these uh, mm-hmm. are questions you have to ask. I mean, and 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 have her understand this is why I can't believe. And I mean, you sound young mm-hmm. enough that you're still in your mom's home or something like that. I'm not sure.
2: Oh, I'm in college. I'm I'm. So, in, uh, my mom is well, very trolling.
4: Well, I I would put it like this. Um I remember one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies was um, is The uh, a Raisin in the Sun. You know, both the stage play, the book and the movie, I really like them. But there's a part in the movie because one one of the characters is Beneatha, Beneatha Younger, and she is an atheist and she gets into an argument of, with her mom about God. And her mom slaps her in the face and says, you repeat after me, in my mother's house, there's still God. And she made Benita repeat that to her. And when I was growing up, and it became a mantra for myself whenever I got into these conversations with my mother.
2: That I would familiar. Say, was familiar. Yeah, did that movie have black people in it? Because I think I saw absolute, something
4: like that. Yes, it's Sydney. It, well, the stage play was Ozzie Davis, Ruby D. And uh, and in the film it was Sidney Poitier and Ru- Ruby Dee, written yeah, I think by Blackman. The- yeah, you should look it up. It's a good, it's a great story. My point was that for me, I said, you know, I used to get into the same arguments that you're getting into now, and I said, you know, once I left in my mother's house, is there still God? And that's why I don't live there anymore. And that's what you tell yourself In my mother's house There's still God That's why I don't live there You're free to make up Your own mind kiddo That's the big deal No matter what you believe Even if you Come to a belief That It's kind of The middle of the road Between What your mom thinks And what you think You're making Your own decisions Based on your own Rational thinking And that's what's Most important That's why we're On this show That's why we're On the air And that's why We're talking to you That's the most Important thing Make up your own mind. Take the take everything into account. Think about it. Make up your mind. Use reason. Use your own intellect. And you have that. And no one can take care of it. When you go over to mom's house, give her a hug. Let them sing their scriptures and everything. And when they say, come to church with us. Hey, no, I got to go. Love you, but I got to go. And it's nothing wrong. You don't hate them. You ain't going to disrespect them.
2: But you're not you're not the Kool Aid is the Kool Aid is not out of your system. But my mom doesn't go to church. That's another thing. Like I think she's lying to herself too. It's probably
6: the mentality that she has is something along the lines of anything but an atheist. She's fine with you believing in something. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's probably what you're gonna get. Sorry to interrupt, go ahead.
4: Yeah, no 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 no. You're right. He's right. A lot of folks, a lot, there are a lot of folks who aren't religious, I mean, who don't go to church, but they still have a Bible there right next to their picture of Dr. Martin Luther King. They're not going to get rid of it, and they'll refer to it with everything. And for you, like I said, hey, just tell them, tell us straight to your face, look, mom, love you, but that's not my bag, man. That's not my bag. I come over, we'll have a nice dinner, we'll have a nice lunch, whatever. We'll talk about all kinds of things, but when it comes to this subject, that's off-limits. Sorry, I'm not going to change my mind. You're old enough to make that decision now with your life. I was there, just like you are. And it's just like, look, man, I can't do that anymore. And it's not being mean. It's not being rude. It's not being disrespectful. It's being you. You're a grown woman now. Make up your own mind. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it, kid. Okay.
0: Thank and you.
5: I, I, it's like a lot of a lot of black folks have. Uh, the kind of mentality to where it's so ingrained in them and they don't realize how that Stockholm syndrome works. And a lot of them know, a lot of them have seen roots. A lot of them is, uh, have, uh, you know, are very strict to how Christianity was forced upon, you know, uh, upon slaves, but they don't make that connection to, well, Hey, it was forced on them, and then now I'm forcing upon my children. But they will make connections with how slavery play, played a role in their current, you know, socio economic situation. It, it's really weird. Uh, one's ingrained, yeah. one's ingrained, and the other one, you know, you they they, they uh, you know they try to have an aversion to vehemently. And I always bring that up. It's always an interesting. Uh, things to bring up in conversation because then they have to, they can't acknowledge one and not the other because they both came hand in hand. One was used, the religion was used to put them in that position to which they accepted willingly thereafter. And, you
4: know, and I think this, you know, this is a lot of, I think it's a lot of people of color that are dealing with this, honestly speaking, because you can't tell me, that there was a, there like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, was it two weeks ago now, Tyler Perry went to T.D. Jakes' church and he laid hands on him and started talking in tongues. Tyler Perry, the director, laid his hands on a bishop and knocked him out or something like that. And, you know, I know for a fact there was somebody in this in that church who fancied themselves a believer and believed themselves to be religious, I know that if they had a rational thought going through their head, it was like, I can't do this anymore. This is not even religion anymore. This is theater. It's comedy. You know, this is not what I signed on for. And I'm sure that there are folks like that. Every time they walk into Creflo Dallas Church and Creflo drives away in a limo and they're driving away in a Toyota Corolla, you know, I'm sure they're sitting there saying to themselves, you know, I, I, you know, even if it's something where I'm not going to walk away from my religious faith, that's on them, but I'm pretty sure they're going in their head, this is not what I signed on for. This is not, this doesn't make sense to me. This is not even religion anymore. This is just some kind of weird cult, and I can't be part of it. And that's that's the right thought to have, you know. I, I don't think anyone could watch a, a Bishop T.D. Uh, Jakes or or Eddie Long, or something. There are a lot of folks that are trying, again, like he said, Stockholm Syndrome, they can't shake it loose, but I'm pretty sure that they're realizing, like, all right, something's wrong with what's transpiring in front of me.
5: Yeah, the whole prosperity doctrine is so fun to hear, and then watch people Mm -hmm. bubble together to make excuses for them as to why they're so uh, prosperous, and there the denizens of their church are still you know driving away in Toyotas but if if they want to pay heed to the, to the delusion then I'm all for it it's just mm-hmm. upsetting when uh like i mentioned before i i read an article from Raa mm-hmm. the Atheist, that constantly science is is bombarded with creationists trying to eliminate certain uh scientific laws and theories that don't coincide with their religion, namely being uh, Darwinism and evolution. And mm-hmm. you know, something such as that, it really doesn't play that, play that much of a, a role in our society per se, but just to have that as a precedent for them to say, well, we're going to replace actual tested uh, scientific research with myth? Mm-hmm. Fantasy? Sure.
0: That's
2: um, yeah. Can I say something? Right. Um, I was talking to someone that was supposed to be my friend, but I really don't think it's my friend because they just keep tearing me down. I think that's a really stupid person. So they were like, well, you you shouldn't be mad at all these people. You're calling them idiots. And I'm like, no, I've never called all religious people idiots. I just don't like the Bible. I don't like Bible thumpers, people that beat people into religion and force it on people. Then he's like, Well, you just have to deal with it. You shouldn't say these things about these people. And I'm like, so it's okay for them to say whatever and say, oh, you're going to hell for being different. It's okay for them to say that their God is real, but anything else is fake. And then he was like, well, a lot of them actually are good people and they read their Bibles. And I'm like, how do you know this? I don't think they read their Bibles. when someone makes a valid point to them or something from the Bible, they don't understand and this guy claims that he's a non-believer, but I don't think he is. I just think that he's very stupid. He's like, I'm a well, non-believer, uh, but you, you're you just taking it too far. Well, stupid stuff. I was like, oh, my goodness.
4: I'll tell you this, uh, Sakura. It's, it's, this is what you need to know. A lot of the folks that you may get into a lot of heated arguments with, yeah. you love them. You love them. I love my family. You know, I know we got a friend. That doesn't make them right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that doesn't make them right. It just makes them, it, just because they all agree on something or they, they all agree that your reaction is a little volatile, doesn't make them right. It's just that they all agree on the wrong thing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to tell them at some point, listen, I'm not telling you to stop believing. I'm not telling you to stop going to church. I'm just kinda asking you to respect my point of view. And until you can prove until you can prove that I'm going to hell, which means you're privy to information that no one else on earth has, then that mean until you can prove that, I'm gonna ask you kindly to let me live. That's what I asked my family. Like listen, I get it. You wanna go to church every Sunday, you wanna give this guy your money? That's you. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to disrespect you. I'm not going to disrespect you. But when we get into conversations about how, you know, how dinosaurs came or how old the earth is, I'm going to kindly ask you to, you know, leave me alone or leave me out of it because dinosaurs exist. They weren't put here by the devil to test the will of Christians.
6: Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm curious know. about that. How how does that work? How, how did how did they even fit that in their mind that
5: I believe that I heard
6: it? That, that's people that's so how how did they come to that reason? Um, exactly.
2: Can I say something? Like when I was younger, I don't know. I think I was. I probably was eight when I asked my mom this. I was like, "Mama, if if Adam and Eve were the first people created, where did where did um." the dinosaurs come from. So she was like, well, there were dinosaurs before people, because God created them before people. Then he created people. But any time I asked anybody else about it, they were like, oh, the devil put that." And I don't know why my mom claims that she's a Christian, because we'll sit down and watch science documentaries, and she'll agree with everything that people would say. I'll agree with it. But I think she's afraid to admit that she's not actually a Christian And she just gets angry when I tell her that I don't I don't believe the stuff of the Bible and stuff.
4: Well, it's that's a case of again, you know, Alfred said it best it's Stockholm Syndrome.
0: They,
4: they don't know how to let go of this programming. It's hard. They've been brainwashed for so many years. I mean, if I don't if at some point I don't, you know, divest my children of the belief that there was a Santa Claus, they grow up believing that there is a Santa Claus. You know. But this is this is what it is to be a religious person, not just a Christian, but Muslim, whatever, any of those people of those faiths, they've been brainwashed since childhood. You know, and, 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 and this is how brainwashing works. Whenever a question pops into your head or doubt pops into your head, they don't allow you to follow that doubt to its conclusion. Where at, where either you'll find proof or let go of that belief because there's nothing to prove it they'll they'll cram more of it into your head when i was a kid my question was and i thought it was simple you know where's adam's belly button i have a belly button i was a child i was what i was i couldn't have been more than eight you're at the same age you were i asked my mom hey mom do you think that adam has a belly button because if so who was his mother and I was just asking, in my mind, what was a, was a reasonable question because I was born of my mother and I knew I had an umbilical cord. <laughs> so that's why I have a belly button. So does Adam, having been created from dirt, have a belly button? In my mind it was reasonable, but you know what that ter- what happened to me? It turned into I was reprimanded and then I had to go further into, you know, I was deep. You know, dipped further into More and more religion To kind of knock it out of my head And unfortunately, that's where your mom is I mean, it's hard for people to let go Of, of certain beliefs I mean, mm-hmm. it's just hard It's going to be hard until You know, for most of us it, it it started with that doubt And we had to follow it On this logical course You know, and when there wasn't an answer there We had to let it go Um, it'll happen for her because if she's not going to church every day, first of all, she's cut off from the source of the brainwashing. You know? She's not mm-hmm. in that anyway. She's cut off from it. That's why like, folks go to church. They got to reinforce it, you know? And
2: another thing, my mom, it. she hates like when they have this religious group like the Witnesses and the Mormons come to people's houses. she hates it. Like, she really hates it. Like, she does not, she does not talk to the people She closes the door before they come in the house because you don't want to talk to them, because they think it's stupid. They're going around trying to force whatever on other people. And also, they only come to, like, the black neighborhoods. Like, me and her noticed that they'll come to only the black neighborhoods and try to give us their so-say word of the Lord. And, if they like, they, they usually try to harass us, and my mom usually ends up cursing them out.
6: To, to answer your question though As to whether or not Adam had a belly button No, his name was Kyle X His name wasn't Adam And he didn't have a belly button because he was an experiment like
4: that.
5: Oh, old <laughs> enough. Why? No. Hmm? I don't think she's old enough for that show
2: No, for I Kyle heard of that I heard of that before I saw like a preview of it Yeah, was it was during like an my time so I'm No, huh?
6: Kyle X was an experiment and where oh, he was okay. like a test tube baby he didn't have a belly button for that reason. <laughs> there
0: you
5: go. But don't you find hey. it ironic that your your mom gets so upset when someone comes and tries to force their beliefs on her but has no problem doing it to you?
2: Yes, I think that is very ironic.
5: Something you should look at, and a lot of Christians don't find, they don't find anything that they do offensive because they can rationalize it with the most uh, what, what, the is all about perspective. It is, and yes. you, it is about perspective. And a lot of them aren't very well grounded because they consider anything that they do rationalized through their scripture. And since their scripture is infallible, nothing that they can do is actually wrong if it if it doesn't delineate from scripture.
4: Right. And you know, and here's the thing: in Christianity alone, you've got at least to a thousand or more different denominations of, of Christianity or how Christianity should be done, which right there proves it's a, you know, fallibility. You know, not with their, scientists will disagree on several things, you know, until there's, you know, a peer-reviewed study, peer-reviewed research and everything like that so that everybody can come to some kind of conclusion. You know, scientists will disagree on a lot of things Or, or you know, a, a lot of intangibles But at the end of the day If you get a hundred scientists in the room You know, they're all going to tell you We live in a heliocentric universe I don't care what school of thought that, You know, what schools they went to You can get all scientists You can't get a hundred Christians to agree on Exactly what the Bible said You can't You can't. Not even in the same church So they're in that. They're in itself proves the fallibility of religion. My church the end of the- really
2: boring. I actually didn't go to one of those stereotypical black churches where people get the Holy Ghost. I went to a Catholic church, and everybody did like they were dead in their church.
0: Yeah,
4: I mean, you know, that's a that's another way. I mean, some people some people turn it into a party. Some people turn it into a suffering I remember oh, I told my did. mom
2: it was boring. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, this is boring, mom. I don't like this. I hate this. the insert- kids,
4: because you're not built for that. That's not what you do. That's not how it works. Even school gives you a break.
0: Yeah. You know what
4: I'm saying? School, <laughs> school realizes that you're bored, and that's why they give you spring break.
0: Like, yeah, get yeah. out of here,
4: kid. Go do something. My mom
0: there. told Some me, like,
4: a- yeah, check the- when- I don't think anybody caught what Carl just said.
5: Carl, and, and just to kind of prove how insidious the indoctrination is, Carl, do you realize what you actually just said? What's that? That she was built for it? The kind of language used by religious folks is mm-hmm. that we are made for this, you're built for this, or that's not your purpose. It's all very yeah. religiously toned language. Oh, dang oh. that too. And we say it without thinking, and that's how we sort of perpetuate it in our Mm -hmm. language.
6: So, the best way to manipulate people is to do it without them realizing it. But also, yeah,
0: um, no, because I said that's To mm -hmm,
6: to, add to his his point, if you you recall, when religious people tell you, and I think Ronnie uh, says this a lot, and Mm -hmm. he says that you need to pray and take a walk. And fast. Mm-hmm. The key point is fasting. Fasting is actually a manipulation technique. It's actually used in yes. torture. It's it's to Definitely. make you convinced of whatever they want you to, and to control the subjects.
4: Yeah, I because I said when I said you want, you're not go for it. So I I don't know. Did, did was there you know. Because I was trying to make sure what what Alfred was saying, because I was like, no one's built to just be sitting in pews like that and have somebody speaking at them like that for any amount of time without somebody going, all right, man, I got to get out of here. I don't even want to, you know, be a part of this. I'm like, school even does that, where school is like, they realize, you've just been sitting here, go play outside, you know. But I church, you don't have fun in
2: church. Like don't see how people have fun that. in church. I'm like, really? Are you lying? <laughs> I don't see how you have fun. But then again, that church probably is different from mine. I went to another yeah. church
0: they, and it
5: they, was they, fun, sorry. but hold they on. had
2: food
3: there. Hey,
5: hold on, hold on. Hey, actually, it's, we we kind of ran out of time. We're gonna actually have to uh, uh, play outro music. We will we will be back in a week and a half, though.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. Feel free to give us
4: a call back.
2: Okay,
0: thank you. Bye. All right, see ya. Black
3: Free Thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night thought we don't walk by space in the lost because it's not quite safe. We... Judy
1: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
3: It's my
4: little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
3: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>